Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the folk tales and legends of Brittany. The Chateau of Brittany, this is called. The Chateau of Brittany may truly be called the historical and legendary shines of the province, for within their halls keeps the donjon's Breton tradition and history were made. It is doubtful, indeed, if the castellated mansions of any other country, say perhaps those of Rhine, harbour so many legends, arising either from the actual historical happenings connected with them, or from the more picturesque yet terrible associations which they are popularly supposed to have with the powers of evil. The general appearance of such a building as the Breton Chateau lends itself to somber tradition. The massive walls seem thick enough to retain all secrets, and the cry for vengeance for blood sp spilt within them cannot pass to the outer world through the narrow nutrier or arrow slits of the Ovant corpse. The broad yet lofty towers with flank, which flank the front, rising to a torture or coif, like an enchanter's conical cap, is something we actually call the cone of power. By the way, it's the same sort of thing. The lucanes or attic casements are guarded on either side by gargoyles, grim of aspect, or perhaps by griffins, holding the shield-borne arms of the dead, and gone seniors. Seek where you will, among the wizard houses of old Prague, the witch dens of ancient Edinburgh, the bat-haunted castles of Drachenfels or Einstein. You will come at nothing built of man, more informed with the soul of the Middle Ages, more drenched with this and their peculiar saviour or mystery, than these stark keeps, whose crests and gurets rise above encircling woods, or frown upon mirroring rivers, over the length and breadth of the Breton land. The next is called La Rouge Chagou. One of the most typical of the Chateau of Brittany is that of La Rouge Chagou. At one time, the guardian of the mouth of the river, Treo. It is built on the top of a hill which overhangs a trail, and from one of its battlemented galleries, a splendid view of the windings of the river can be obtained. The wall on this side of the fortress is so thick as to allow of a chapel being hewn out of its solidarity. A most distinctive architectural note is struck by the 14 wonderful chimney shafts of cut stone ornamented with iron spikes. Tonkyodik, some miles further down the river, but on its opposite side is the imposing castle of Tonkyodik, perhaps the finest remnant of the medieval military architecture of Brittany. It has always remained in the family of the Viscounts of Courtemain, who ranked among the foremost of the Breton nobility. The one of them espoused the cause of the constable 
Clisson against Duke John. And I think that was the sixth. And had the anguish of seeing his ancestral fortress raised to the ground. But that was under um, Henry the Seventh or six, not sure. However, the castle was restored, only to be again demolished by order of Cardinal Richelieu, who strongly and forcibly disapproved of such powerful fortresses, or, let's say, fortalices. It had an outer enclosure and had to be entered by drawbridge, and it was strengthened in every way conceivable to the military art of the times. It was surrounded by dwellings for the convenience of the seigneur's retainers, a fine salle de homme still remaining. To the keep, four stories high, a flying bridge led, in order to facilitate the withdrawal of the garrison in case of siege. Behind walls ten feet thick, so long as food and ammunition lasted, the inmates could hold the enemy in scorn. It's very interesting. And then the next chateau of Brittany is the Clisson. The chateau Clisson, once the property of the great constable Oliver de Clisson, whom the Viscount of Coetman and the Breton of Pintivier have championed is now only a grand old ring, a touching monument of the architectural splendours of former days. By moonlight, it makes a scene not easily forgotten, gaunt and still, and ruggedly imposing. Imposing, sorry. It seems to be a silent reminder of events, and people tells of whom will not readily die. The treasurer of secrets, it will... Probably never yield. There's obviously another one which is the castle of Nantes, with a stamp of reminiscence upon its delicately sculptured balconies and window frames. It is now an arsenal, a fact, which robes it of some of the romantic interest of Clisson, or indeed of ruins in general. Yet, within its walls are the prison chambers in which Giles de la Ville, the ambitious, let's say, finance minister for quit and the Cardinal de Retz, and the Duchess of Berry once languished. For many years it served as one of the political prisons of France, though it's also associated with brighter and happier times. For here, on pleasure bent, lingered many of the kings of France, from Louis the Eleventh onward, and here in 1675, Madame de Sivine Soyjonde, a circumstance which casts about it a literary as well as a romantic glamour. This great well in the courtyard, with its ornamental railing of wrought iron, is quite equal to the famous well of Quintaine, Matzi, at Antwerp. That's uh, one of the other chateaus of Brittany. Then we have Jocelyn. The castle of Jocelyn, also associated with the history of the great Constable Clisson and his allies, as well as with the notorious League, whose followers wrought such intolerable misery in Brittany, 
is built on a rocky foundation near the river Aust. With its imposing front and conically roofed towers, it's one of the best examples of 12th century fortress chateau. Very different in tone is the architecture of the interior court, being that of the period when the lighter traceries and the more imaginative lines of the reminiscence were in favour. The window openings of the two first stories are beautiful enough to rival those of Chambord and equal those of Bleu. Above the windows, an open gallery runs and in the space between each, the device of Rohans is carved with their motto. A plus, this celebrated family having built this part of the chateau. About the year 1400, Clisson added a keep, walls and parapets. But in 1629, when the fortress was no longer a stronghold of the League, these were permitted to fall into ruin. Through the courtesy of the family, now in residence this wonderfully preserved castle may be visited, a circumstance for which the tourists in Brittany should indeed be grateful. Interest without these many walls clings around the well. With its ornamental railings, the noble and lofty hall, the library, with its magnificent chimney-piece, Repeating again in stone, the Rohan motto, a plus, and the equestrian statue of Clisson by Fremier in the dining room. So apparently it's a very um, popular place to visit if you're interested in history and the chateaux of Brittany. That would be the one you would want to go see is what it's saying, not just because of the building itself, but I think they're making a point about the grounds, and in particular this well. There's a lot of myth and legend surrounding that particular well. Hopefully I'll be able to show you pictures um, as I'm telling this so that you know what it looks like, etc. Well, a little bit at least, anyway. That's the first part of the um, Chateaux of Baritane. There is many more to come though, but we'll do them so many at a time, just so that hopefully I can add pictures in there so you can see what area I'm talking about and what they actually look like. Thank you for listening and many blessings.